there's something that happens when we're in the middle of working towards a big goal. We get so focused on what's right in front of us that we sometimes forget we actually have time to continue working on bigger goals later. As I talk with Kate today, she's focused on using her husband's three yearly bonuses to become debt-free and dream up what the future could look like when they're able to use these bonuses as true extra. And I know you will get a lot from this conversation. I'm Carly Hill, and this is the Debt-Free Mom Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped people like me get smarter about things like saving on travel, spending less on airfare leaves more money for food and fun, putting away money for retirement. I hate to break it to you, but I don't plan on doing this podcast forever and saving up an emergency fund because life is like a movie. It loves a good plot twist. The good news is we can learn how to be prepared for those twists and turns. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Today on the Debt-Free Mom Podcast, I have Kate Henderson with me. Kate is a stay-at-home mom. She is a wife and mom to two littles, living in Northern Illinois. In high school, she took a foundations and personal finance class, and that inspired her to major in accounting when she reached college. She ended up switching to nursing because she liked to budget, but not as a profession. When starting a family, they joined finances and all of her previous love for budgeting went out the window. So now she's slowly regaining her confidence using budgets because she's been taught a method that works for her family. She enjoys camping, reading, and going on adventures with the family. So thank you, Kate, so much for being willing to come on and share your story a little bit. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I'm excited. I actually also started out majoring in accounting. For my freshman year of college, I did it yeah. just for one year. And then I was in a very large college with a very competitive business program. So I switched to education after freshman year. And so reading your bio, I was like, okay, I definitely resonate with that. And then like later in life, circling back to, okay, just because I didn't major in it doesn't mean I still don't have an interest in it. Exactly. Yeah. So the main question that you posed and your reason for coming on today was that you said you want to know what the next right thing is to do, that you know your numbers, you have a budget that you're looking at, but you're trying to find what would be like your next best steps. So can you tell me a little bit about options that you're trying to decide what to do next? All right. So currently we did the Know Your Numbers Challenge, and that was incredibly helpful for our family. And it turns out my old way of budgeting used to be just a know your numbers challenge and then getting too overwhelmed and then just not doing anything. So now that we know the numbers and now that I know how to budget using the spreadsheet, now I'm not sure if we should pay off debt, credit cards, that type of thing. But my main thought is that we could get our monthly down, our monthly spending down. So that makes my brain think, okay, doing the debt, all of the credit cards, getting out of debt that way? Or should we, our main expenses during the month are food, our car payment, and our house. With that, should we move our home? Should we buy a house? Because we're currently renting. Okay. And that is a lot of people saying, you're throwing money out the door. You're paying for someone else to own a home. All of those things. So we're not sure if we should 
buy a home, get our monthly mortgage down, or sell our car and buy, just use cash to get that monthly down. Or if we need to start, I shop organic and I shop at Hy-Vee and Joel Osco instead of Aldi and changing things in that way. I'm not sure what is the best step. Eventually, I want to get to all of those places, but I'm in a spot now where I understand my numbers and I know something has to be done with it. With it. I just don't know what is the right thing for our family because I don't want to make any drastic changes without knowing what is truly best for sure. our family. I love that you're weighing a pretty wide spectrum of changes. Some very small, like a grocery decision is pretty small, but where you live is a massive decision. When I like to think about it, first of all, once you did the Know Your Numbers Challenge, what on a, like a monthly average basis do you have a surplus that you're working with? Or are you really, is one of your primary goals that you need to grow the gap between your income and expenses? Or do you already have a gap? Currently, there is no extra. With our finances, it is odd because we have our bi-weekly paychecks, but then three times a year, my husband gets bonuses. And with these bonuses, this is where we are able to pay things off or put a down payment on a house. So we just received one of those bonuses and now we're like, okay, we have the budget. Now, what do we do? What with do we this? do with what, it? Yeah. What do we do with this extra? Because currently, month to month, we don't have any extra. Sure. There is time throughout any of the year to, to make any big changes like this. So now we're ready to make changes and we're excited about it because we know what to do with our finances. But how can we get that extra is where we're yeah. going. So first question, do you have an emergency fund? We have a very small emergency fund. Okay. Would cover one month of expenses. Oh. Okay. okay. So that would be number one to me is whatever the bonus is to get an emergency fund at minimum up to one month of expenses. But the reason that I say that and the reason that is the most important starting point is that an emergency fund is actually how we get out of debt. So when we pay off debt, all we're doing when we do that is we clean up what's already happened in the past. It doesn't make any changes to what we're going to do in the future. So we actually need to focus on changing what we're going to do in the future before we clean up what already happened, which cleaning it up is paying it off. But we need to first think about what we're going to do moving forward. So the best way to actually get out of debt is to have an emergency fund, at least a starting emergency fund that when things pop up that we used to put on credit cards or borrow from something else, we're instead going to be able to use our emergency fund. So that I would say is priority number one, because that will not only help you feel more secure as the bonus starts to dwindle, but it will also give you a different option when something comes up in the future that is more expensive than you expected it to be. You're going to be like, oh, actually, I could use this instead of the credit card and save myself a whole bunch of interest, a whole bunch of stress, especially since you just did the Know Your Numbers Challenge. It's pretty easy to know what a month of expenses would be or a month of income. And I would go with the higher of those two, either a month of expenses or a month of income. Pick the higher one and make sure your emergency fund gets up to that point. Then at that point, I think it is important if you on a month-to-month -month basis don't typically have much of a gap between your income and expenses, 
in my view, I would start to look for things you can do with that bonus that will actually decrease your monthly expenses. Adding money to an emergency fund is great, but it's not going to change what your month-to-month expenses are in the same way that paying off a debt would. So thinking about a list of your debts, what I would go for, instead of trying to do like smallest balance to largest or largest balance to smallest, I would actually look at your list of debts and ask myself, what one of these debts could I pay off using some of the bonus that would give me the most boost in my month-to-month budget? For example, maybe you have a credit card that has a $5,000 balance, but the monthly minimum payment is only $125. So paying off that credit card is great, but it's only going to move your monthly gap by $125. But if there's a debt somewhere in there that you could pay off with the bonus that maybe has a minimum payment of $275, that's a significant amount of breathing room in your monthly budget. So that's what I would go for as far as debt. I would first take care of emergency fund up to one month at minimum. And then I would start to ask myself, how could I pay debts off in an order that actually moves the needle in my month-to-month budget? So with that in mind, is there like off the top of your head, if you think about the debts that you're hoping to pay off, is there one where you're like, oh, yeah, if we actually were able to knock this one out, it would increase the gap between our income and expenses? Yeah, our car payment is actually the biggest debt that we have. Our credit cards, yes, there is debt there, but it's I don't want to say measly because every dollar counts. But it's more of $10 a month here, $20 mm-hmm. a month there, whereas our per payment is more so of $350 yeah. plus because we have a loan out on it, our insurance is higher. So then we need a more expensive insurance. So change all of that, then that would also lower our insurance as well. So we'd be saving more money altogether within that realm. And as far as our emergency fund, We used to put almost all of our bonuses in our emergency funds, and it was great. We had this very healthy emergency fund, but then because we're spread so thin during the month and we had zero dollars for any, I like going and buying an extra coffee is not an option because it's not in the budget. No wiggle room whatsoever. So that's hard to do. Because every little inconvenience or, oh, I did so good saving this week. I want to buy McDonald's. That money would come from our emergency fund. And it seems silly, but when you're spread so thin, like that number starts to dwindle very quickly. And that's why at the end of the year, we would have these big end of the year freakouts. We would be able to have an emergency fund, but it would also not be spent on emergency type things because we were spread so thin. Sure. So I do think paying off our vehicle would be the number one debt. Not only is it debt, but it's also our largest payment of the Mm -hmm. month. So that would free up a good chunk for us to be able to have that freedom. If you're able to pay the car off, especially in the current climate of car sales, that's a much better option than trying to basically roll the dice with selling your current one and hoping that you would be able to buy something that still like works for your family that wouldn't have a payment. That feels more risky at this point than 
if you have the ability to pay the current car off, I would just do that and keep the yeah. current vehicle. That makes a lot more sense to me. And then, like you said, that does add a lot more breathing room to the budget. $350 a month of extra is a huge difference when you're used to working with almost no extra. And with that extra, I would actually divide it a little bit. I wouldn't approach your budget by saying, okay, all 350 of that has to go to your next debt or has to go to your next goal. I would actually try to work in even just in small ways, some categories like personal spending cash or a little bit more to the coffee budget, just those categories that you had been, like you said, starting to pull from the emergency fund to cover things. I would try to proactively add those into the budget so that you feel a bigger sense of freedom and being able to spend while also being able to prioritize your goals. For example, if you're eliminating a $350 payment, if you start putting 200 of that towards your next goal or your next debt and then add $150 more of spending to your budget, that's still, that's like the best of both worlds. You're going to add some breathing room to your budget. You're going to feel more ability to, like you said, go through McDonald's or whatever it is. And then also be like, hey, last month we didn't put $200 to a goal. And this month we are putting $200 to a goal. So I wouldn't try to take all 350 and be super strict with yourself. You're going to feel right back to square one, even though you've paid off a debt. Yes. Okay. So you said you get bonuses February, March, and June. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So you just got the February one. You'll get another one next month or is the one you just got the March one? No, we will. We just got the February and we will be getting the March one. I think an awesome goal for you, maybe by the June bonus or maybe even next February, would be to get to a place where your month to month budget has enough padding in it that you're not dragging to the end of the next bonus, that you're not trying to just barely scrape by. So if we can knock a few of those goals out, like emergency fund having a significant amount in it compared to what it has now, and then knocking off debts like the car and maybe even starting to pay off some of those other ones too, then even just now to June, which is like four months, there's probably going to be a significant difference in the way your finances feel when that bonus rolls around compared to the one that you just got where you're like, phew, okay, we made it. I think that would increase your motivation to make some of these changes. If you had that clear picture of my end goal is that these bonuses truly feel like a bonus, like an extra, okay, woo, what goal can we make happen today instead of this is this being our lifeline and we can't make it any other way. Yeah, so that's exactly how we've been feeling for a few years. And just trying to reach the bonuses is, like you said, it's our lifeline. And so if that actually ends up being on a true bonus, that right there would just change our lives. Yeah. That's how significant that would be for our family. And I want to recognize it would be a challenge to do what you are doing because they're not evenly spaced at all. <laughs> Two right back to back and then one a couple months later, and then you basically have to wait seven months for the next one. So that is definitely a challenge. It's not something that you should be beating up yourself about, oh, anybody else would be able to manage this. Why can't I? I would struggle to manage that for sure. Some jobs actually just build so much of the salary into the bonuses that it's not even realistic to get to a point where the bonuses are truly bonuses because the other part of the pay is so much smaller that that's not even 
a living wage. So even if that is the case, maybe with the February and March one being right back to back, maybe you could realistically get to a place where the March one each year is truly a bonus, is truly extra, and the February and the June are worked into your regular budget. But with the like the June one, especially because it has to last so much longer, have you ever tried anything like taking the amount and dividing by the number of months it has to last and trying to pace yourself with using it? Where, for example, if it's, I'm just going to use even numbers, if it's $7,000 and it has to last seven months that you only transfer out of savings 1000 a month or something? Yeah, we actually, we broke it into quarters. So the one that we get in February typically is our largest bonus. And with that, we take a portion of that and put it towards the end of the year. So we have the beginning of the year and the end of the year covered. So that's quarter one and quarter four. So then in March, we do that for quarter two. And then the third quarter is in June. So that's how we would typically break it up because we were spread so thin with our month to month expenses. We just still were eating into the emergency fund. And so it wasn't, that wasn't really working out for us. However, I do want to say with the Know Your Numbers Challenge, we were able to see that with just his, with zero bonuses, we are actually able to make it work if we sell the car. If, if we make those changes, we're able to make it month to month and have breathing room in that. But we were barely scraping by month to month just with what is brought home on that bi-weekly basis sure. without any of those bonuses. And so we wanted to create a scenario with our finances where we are able to make it without any bonuses that way. And all of the other bonus months, we are actually able to treat that as a bonus and actually go on a vacation and have the freedom to do that with our family. So that makes the biggest difference, I would say, for our family is to make those true bonuses. Even if the loan was paid off, do you still feel the need to change which vehicle you have? Or if it was paid off, would you feel like, okay, we could keep this car and still manage the budget? I feel either way, it would be okay. I want a different vehicle for space-wise. Our mm -hmm. family Kind of outgrown our current vehicle. So I would like to switch. So regardless whether we pay that one off and keep it, I would still feel that urge to get a different car. Okay. But that's an emotional yeah. thing rather than it logically. Because I feel yeah. logically you would just pay our current car off and leave it be and that would be fine. But emotionally, and I'm typically an emotionally driven person, if I pay that off, then I'm going to want to later on down the road buy a new car. So it makes more sense for our family to potentially sell our car to buy in all cash a, a new car that's more fitting for our needs. I think it would depend on the timeline. If you're like, let's swap cars in the next couple of months then maybe I wouldn't use all of that cash to pay the car off. But when you pay the car off, it doesn't close the door on being able to still decide I'm going to sell this car and get money out of it in order to switch to a minivan or SUV or something with more space. So I think because you're feeling that squeeze in your month-to-month -month budget already, it might be in your best interest to pay the existing car off, even if you plan to sell it six months from now, because it's still going to be six months without a $350 car payment, which is 
$2,100 over the next six months in the short term, getting out from under that loan frees you up to make that decision that's actually best for you down the road. So I still think it would probably be best to save that starter emergency fund and pay the car off because actually what that's doing is increasing the number of options you have available to you. If you're not paid once a month, why are you budgeting that way? A monthly budget ignores the fact that sometimes your expenses are due before the next paycheck is available. A pay period budget is built around your unique pay schedules so that your money doesn't feel like a mess. Create an accurate, realistic plan for getting the most out of each paycheck. Get started budgeting by pay period today with the best-selling budget template and mini course from me, Debt-Free Mom. It's available for just $9 at debtfreemom.co slash template. So one thing I wanted to talk about with bonuses, sometimes we get frozen by seeing a large amount of money at once. And the two of you might operate differently. And maybe you can answer that. Some people are like stars in their eyes and they're like, these are all the things we can buy. And then other people just get paralyzed by it because it's too much. And so they're like, I don't even want to do anything with it because I feel like whatever I do is going to be the wrong thing. Do you guys both respond to it the same way or do you respond differently? I am more of a spender in our family and my husband is, it took him six months to do research on our TV in order for us to buy it. I might be married to one of those. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's exactly our relationship. Let's throw money at this and let's do this and come up with all these things for solutions. Yes, there's solutions, but he is more of what is the right thing to do. So let's not do anything. I'm not sure what the right thing is. So yes, yes, that's our personalities. Which I think both bring good things to the table. It's just hard to work that through when you're not talking about your separate amount of money and his separate amount of money. It's two different perspectives talking about the same amount of money. So you have to decide together. And I do think that like one of the best things to really feel like you're both happy with the solutions that you come up with is, is exactly what you have been mentioning already, which is these solutions that don't just pay something off or feel good in the moment, but they actually change how your money is going to feel in the future. So those are the ones that I would really focus on is not just feeling, okay, we were in a good place because we paid for this in cash, but actually like, how can I change what my budget is going to look like moving forward? And because a lot of people don't even have the big changes on the table, like when I look at people's budgets and it's like, ooh, this is really tight. Most people would not even be interested in selling the car or moving or large changes like that. They're like, no, tell me, tell me to shop generic at the grocery store or something. Don't tell me to move. So I usually honestly don't even bring up those larger options, but because you're mentioning them already, it means that at least it's in the back of your mind as something that's on the table, which I think is great because that means that you're really open to what will actually be best, not just what will feel best. So I think if owning a home is on the three-year horizon, two to three-year kind of thing where you're like, we really want to make that happen soon, then those priorities can become about that bigger goal. Like what will help us get there? And to me, having a, a pretty full emergency fund and not having consumer debt are two of the main things I look at for 
in my opinion, saying that person is ready or not ready to buy a home. Student loan debt is different. That's just, it's low interest. It takes a long time to pay off. But to me, like heavy debt, like a credit card or a high high monthly payment car are usually hindrances or barriers to buying a home in a financially wise way. So I think you're really close to being ready for that and being able to buy a house that actually feels like an exciting opportunity and not like something that you're like crossing your fingers that it'll work because it's such a big decision that you don't want to do it in a way that feels really scary or really risky. And so we can really combat those feelings of exposing ourselves to too much risk by having a large emergency fund and by having very low monthly payments. So I think in my mind, really rapidly paying off car and credit cards which not only eliminates those monthly payments, but also just eliminates your stress of having it in the back of your mind that you owe somebody something, paying those off and having an emergency fund that's like more like the three to four month range than like the one to two month range. At that point, then I would be like, go for it. Find a house that you love, find a monthly payment that fits into your plan because those are gonna allow you to actually get into the house and be like, yes, this was the best choice for us. And we're not scared about making ends meet or covering things. You mentioned that people say rent is throwing money away. Owning a house sometimes feels like throwing money away because stuff starts to break and you have to pay for all of it. And every time that happens, it takes away from your other goals. So paying off your other debts or retirement investing or vacation those can all start to disappear as a homeowner when things break that we weren't prepared for. So I don't like the I don't like when people say that rent is throwing money away because rent can be a really powerful tool for getting your finances in order and being freed up from having the responsibility of a house. So I think if you take those little bit of steps of grow our savings, eliminate some of the debt that feels heavy and frustrating and takes up a lot of our our budget and you get into a spot where you're like, wow, our emergency fund has this amount in it and it's actually staying there. It's not pulling right back out. And our monthly payments have gone down in a way that we actually have a consistent gap between our income and expenses. That's when I would be like, yeah, you should be house shopping and you should be putting your next bonus away for a down payment. We've had quite a few conversations on what the next right thing is. And in terms of buying a house, we were thinking our largest, our month to month is our home. And if we're able to get that down lower and save it, we were thinking what would be best for us, saving $1,000 on our home every month or saving 300 If we could buy a home and save $1,000 a month rather than paying off our car for the same amount of money, we could pay off our car and save $350 a month. However, we turn around and say we could have bought a house and saved $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. So that's in our conversations are what is best, not only for right now, but long term. Mm -hmm. And so I have on one hand, my husband is let's buy a house. It makes more sense to buy a house right now to save $1,000 a month. And my brain, I'm thinking, let's buy a car in cash and free up our month to month. That way, when we do buy a house, we are able to feel more free during that time rather than we buy a house and yes, we're saving $1,000 a month because we don't have that going to rent, but 
we also are able to have that emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we buy a house right now, that's eating up our emergency fund. So what happens when we buy a house and we're saving $1,000 a month, but we're not truly saving $1,000 mm -hmm. a month, we have no emergency fund and that would get eaten up. So we're not positioning ourselves in the right light in order to make more sense on a month-to-month -month basis. And I can see how that would be tricky for sure. My thought is that a year is actually a really short amount of time. And so I think one year from now, you could do both. You could have the car paid off and then switch to owning instead of renting in a way that still would have an emergency fund. Because one year from now would be three bonuses from now. And so think about what could happen with three bonuses. And the $1,000 dropping your rent to your mortgage from having $1,000 back in your pocket each month, so to say, I would venture a guess that not all thousand would actually end up back in your pocket because especially in the initial move, there's just naturally now we need to paint and now our couch doesn't fit in this living room and now the kids' bedrooms need to be rearranged, which is just a natural part of the transition when moving. But if we move from rent to mortgage in order to drop our expenses by a thousand a month and then we find ourselves with no emergency fund and spending about $500 a month to get adjusted and acclimated to this new home, suddenly we're not in the position that we thought we would be in. So buying a house a year from now means starting to starting the mortgage and shopping process like nine or 10 months from now. That is not that far away. So positioning yourself in a way that your debt minimum payments have been freed up, your emergency fund can stay there even when you buy a home that experience of buying that home with a year of progress behind you will feel totally different than trying to jump into buying a home now. If we just stretch the timeline and say, okay, we can't do both of them right now, but we can do both of them in less than a year, which I think would still meet the needs of each of you as a saver and as a spender have these priorities where you're like, if we do this, then we'll be safe. And the other person is like, no, if we do this, then we'll be safe. And really, if we what's happening when those are two are in conflict is we're narrowing our scope of time where we're basically saying we can only pay attention to what we're going to do right now. And if we don't do what I want to do right now, then it's not going to happen. But if we stretch that timeline and we say, what could we do in eight months? And it's oh, in eight months, we could do what both of us want to do. Suddenly, it starts to feel better because neither person actually got told no. It was just that we got told to shift around our timeline a little bit. I just think that there's a a, then B, then C order that you want to take your options in that will feel better. I completely agree. And I think too, uh, purchasing a house right now is making a decision based on the urgency of we need to figure out something right now. We need to really fix our problem. So we're thinking right now, it has to be right now. And so it pushes us to make that decision based off of that emotional feeling, creating that space that freedom to be able to make those types of decisions. It does change the narrative by rearranging the order. So I really do appreciate that thought because that's that changes the game. Especially when you think about money decisions, sometimes we're forced into that position. But if at all possible, we do want to avoid making big money moves because we feel pressured to do it. Because in those situations, like I, you're describing exactly what's true, 
our brain actually makes different decisions. Like it comes to different conclusions in those high pressure situations than it would in a low pressure situation. So if we grow the gap between your income and expenses first and save that emergency fund, you might find yourself being like, okay, now we're ready to buy a house, which is exactly what we wanted to do last February. But now we feel like we can wait for the right house to come along or we can wait until we shop around a little bit more for the best mortgage rate. If we feel this this time crunch that really we've created for ourselves, all of a sudden we're going to be like, that mortgage rate's fine or that house doesn't have everything we want, but let's just go for it. And those are the things that we end up regretting a month later and yet we're locked into it for the next couple of decades. And think if we come up with the right thing to do is these three things in order, if we can walk away from it for even a week or two and then come back and revisit the plan and still feel like it's the confident right thing to do, then that's probably the one that's best for us because we've given ourselves a little bit of time to take that pressure off and really evaluate and do what's much harder than ever running the math, which is the internal work of why am I actually wanting to do this? That's a really hard question to answer. And I'm I am very impressed with you for even you're coming up with those questions of am I being emotional or am I being logical? Am I being a little bit of both? Having that introspection to really evaluate why we're wanting to do something helps you come to the best conclusion. And so I really do think that you are super close to being able to line these things up and have the best of both worlds with just a little bit of time. Like time is such a funny thing. Sometimes 10 months feels like an eternity and sometimes it feels super short. And in reality, it is a super short amount of time, especially when we're talking about a decision that we're going to be locked into for five to 10 years. We really want to give ourselves space to make those decisions. And so I don't think it's as you go back and maybe reevaluate some of this with your husband, you don't want to take the perspective of she said not to buy a house, right? But hey, here's the timeline so that we can get ourselves into the position to buy a house and have it be something that feels exciting instead of having it be something that feels stressful or scary or pressured. You could even present it that way as here's the plan for buying a house because that's going to be something where he's, oh, okay, great. I want to buy a house. Yeah, I would set myself up for success if I approached it that way for sure. And really, that's a hard thing to do, but it is so much better for both people. And I think that's really helpful to bring to the table within having that type of discussion with my husband, because I don't want to approach the conversation saying, this is the choice and this is what's best, but it's more so, okay, we both get what we want. We just need to change that timeline and the order of events in order to benefit both of us. So neither of us are being told no, it's more of a not right now situation. Having that conversation, it's a much easier thing to do when you do it that way. Another perspective to put it in is that when we're trying to make a bunch of changes, it sometimes helps us to make the smaller changes first and get more comfortable with it before we move up to making the bigger changes. So out of those three options, the easiest one to do is transferring money from your checking to your savings and putting money in emergency fund. And then after that, what's the next one? Well, paying off a car is a much lower commitment and lower pressure than buying a home. So let's do that one that's a little bit more scary than what we have been doing, but it's not this giant leap into buying something that's six figures and going to lock me in until I'm 65. And so then we work our way up to, okay, I now feel experienced making these 
bigger decisions in my finances, sticking with it, feeling happy with the choice I made. So by the time I get around to buying the home, I'm like, yeah, I've got this. Like, I know what to do. I know where to put my money. Not only are we ordering them in a sequence that will help your money, but it will also build you guys together as confident budgeters who manage their money and feel good about the choices they're making because you're ordering it from the ones that just don't feel as scary to the ones that feel scarier instead of trying to do the most scary one first. So if we fast forward a year from now and you have, let's say, two months of income in an emergency fund, your car and credit cards are paid off and you have the February bonus is going to be a down payment on a house, would that accomplish that goal for you? Or would that scenario be less of scraping by and feel less pressure and anxiety than where you are now? Yeah, it makes me a little emotional to think about it because of how freeing that would be to take that advice and actually apply it and seeing how much our lives would truly be changed. If that's the scenario, how much our family would benefit from that and what our life looks like that I don't want to say picture perfect, but Mm -hmm. it'd be picture perfect for us if that would be how it would turn out. Yeah, that makes a difference. That's awesome. And the exciting thing is so many times people have that picture perfect idea of a year from now, three years from now, but they don't even have the means to get there. And I'm very excited for your family because you do. You do have the means to get there. It's just about the planning, but that's sometimes the paralyzing part, right? Yes. Coming up with the income is challenging and you have to work for it and stuff, but then you get it and you're like, ooh, I was so focused on getting the income that I didn't think about actually having to make the decisions about what to do with it. And so I don't want to overlook or downplay. Some people are like, that person has money, like they're fine. Their finances are fine. And no, it is a, it is a struggle. And especially when you feel the weight of wanting to do right by your family and you have kids involved. And so I can't just willy nilly spend this the way that I feel in the moment because there's things outside of that matter more. So that is a hard thing to come up with. But I think having an order can sometimes help us to step out of that decision paralysis. I've decided that step one, two, and three are this. And I'm not going to try to focus on four, five, and six because that's too much and that's too far down the road. I'm just going to put our heads down collectively as a family and do step one, two, and three. Then we get to that point and we realize not only have we accomplished those things, but we feel so much more confident on the other side of that. So I know that not only would you feel like the anxiety and the pressure is off if you have those three things accomplished, but you would also have experience as a budgeter and as a money planner that's gonna even add to your confidence on top of accomplishing those three things. So I do know that as as difficult as it can be for you and for anybody listening to feel like they're stuck in their money, a, a money situation can completely change, completely do a 180 within a year, which again, I want to tell people and tell you is not that long of a time span. We feel like it's long, but it really does go by in a snap and our world, our financial world can look Nothing like it does today, just one small year from now. The other thing I want to say as you're working through these big things is to make sure to celebrate the little milestones along the way. Don't try to put your head down and do everything in order without deviating and without coming up for air. Set little benchmarks like 
okay, we put a full month in our emergency fund, $50 out of next month's buffer that we would have used for something else. And we're going to do an extra date night or something, something that matters to both of you that actually gives you a tangible way to feel the rewards of your progress. Maybe you save the emergency fund and pay the car off. And then that first month that you don't have a car payment, maybe all $350 goes to something fun. $350 is a staycation at a hotel, swimming in the pool right. and getting dinner, right. all that. But it's just one month. It's just one car payment. So doing that can actually give, especially when the two of you have those competing priorities, once you're actually there and doing that thing that you couldn't have done last month, then that's usually when the light bulb goes off for both people. And you're like, this is why we're doing it. And so then it makes you even more excited. You're like, okay, next month, what can we do with that 350? What goal can it go to so that six months from now, we get another one of these little fun rewards because we made even more progress. So don't ignore all the benefits that come from spending the money on a reward, not just on putting it into a goal. Having that balance, like that 80-20, 90-10 kind of relationship with our money where we're like, yeah, most of the time we are pushing it towards where we want to be long term, but we're not going to forget to have fun with it in the short term too. I think that increases the likelihood that you will get to a year from now and have that picture perfect idea actually become a reality. It's extremely exciting to, to actually be able to visualize and put a plan in place and to follow step by step. That way we can ensure that does happen and having those small wins along the way is incredibly important too. I'm so excited for you guys. This was such a fun conversation. And thank you for opening up about it because it's something that so many people need to hear. And so many people have the same questions, but not a lot of people have the courage to come on and actually share it. I am super grateful that you are willing to do that. And I know other people will feel the same gratitude for you. You know, when Kyle and I were paying off debt and we were getting closer and closer to that final payment, we started to feel the same way Kate was feeling. Now what? We had focused so hard on this one specific goal and it felt like it was never going to be accomplished that as we approached the finish line, we found ourselves realizing there is a whole wide world of finance on the other side of this goal and we need to start preparing for the long term. I'm so glad that Kate has started to recognize that by thinking more than one step ahead, she can start to put things in place so that their family's finances are secure and something that they feel excited about. I hope her questions and her insights help you to think about the next several steps of your finances as well. If you're working towards a money goal, whether it's paying down debt, saving up your first emergency fund, going on a family vacation that you pay for in cash, Take a minute to think about that end goal. What are you trying to accomplish and how can you get yourself there? Whether you receive regular bonuses or not, we can put plans in place and build budgets that help us prepare not just for the next several weeks, but for the next several months so that we can start to see how the things we do in our day-to-day -day money life really do add up to large changes over time. Thanks for listening to the Debt-Free Mom podcast. If you want to join me as a guest on the show, go to dfmpodcast.com. The Debt-Free Mom podcast is hosted by me, Carly Hill, and is produced, edited, and mixed by Kyle Hill. Music for this episode was written by Kyle Hill. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening to join in with every new episode as we grow our confidence and contentment in our personal finances. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.